What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you monkeys, well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang! Geek Vibes presents... Wrestling Kicks and Love. I'm now your host, Sam and Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to have friends in here, like Howard Fink and Donna Dallas Page, you know, just hanging out with us. Not going to say anything for the rest of the episode, but still, they're here. You guys are here listening to us. Either live uh, at the weird time of 1 p.m. on a Saturday, EST. Uh, basically, I uh, apologize. The last two weeks have been a little bit crazy for me. I had a wedding for my family member over in Massachusetts. I left the day after Wednesday and came back uh, past this Wednesday, so I was in Massachusetts. But we're back to talk wrestling like we do so well. I have been very deprived of sleep lately, so I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, if, you're, if you're expecting an aggressive Dane, uh, I'm sure that you all love and enjoy uh, he's not going to be here today. I'm going to be much more chill. I might switch it up to late night radio voice uh, where they play indie music uh, a little bit later. But of course, I would like to introduce my wonderful co-host, Mr. Christopher Brotheray Patton. How are you doing, sir? I am doing wonderful, man. It's good to be off work and back here talking about wrestling. It's been a while, it seems like, uh, with uh, being off a week and then, um, of course, you go into the wedding and all. So it's going to be cool to just sit back with a friend and talk some wrestling and hopefully people enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, going to crack open a beer and get this show started. So crack open your beers, get your uh, THC pens out if it's illegal in your state, whatever the fuck you do to relax, and listen up. I also want to let you guys know, and I'll remind you at the end of the episode, definitely check out our wonderful Facebook group, Geek Fives Nation, on Facebook. Uh, GV Nation, that is G for geeks, V for vibes, nation.com. We'll have everything. We'll have our Instagram feed. It will have our Twitter feed. Uh, it will have our iTunes. Well, we're actually doing pretty damn good as far as Geek Vibes, the community, uh, in the ratings right now. I'm, I'm very happy of what's going on. We're expanding. We're expanding. And, of course, Wrestling Geeks Alliance is expanding because of it. So if you guys like what you hear, 
want to add to the discussion, definitely check out all those platforms. And, uh, yeah, that is mainly it. Let's get into some news. Uh, first of all, before we actually move on to the news, I think that we should get uh, this whole pay-per-view, Chris, if you will, uh, a little thing called Hell in a Cell. I will say I was pleasantly surprised by it. It sucks that that is my um, realm of thinking uh, when something's pretty fun. There's a lot of good aspects to matches, and you're pleasantly surprised because it's a WWE pay-per-view. And at this point, it doesn't matter if it's a secondary show like Hell in a Cell or a third-day show of, you know, something of the lines of a great balls of fire, uh, or even their big four, big five, or whatever the fuck it is. WWE can be a little bit, uh, what's the word, lackluster. Uh, so we're going to go over Hell in a Cell. I enjoyed it. Um, it seemed like crazily, and I told you about this, uh, listening to the Observer, that Dave Metzer was a little more... I think I was up, uh, which is crazy because I always say I don't, I don't like his opinions. But I think um, I was more at Brian's level uh, when it came to the two of them. Um, but there were a lot of good stuff, and we'll have to go over that. Uh, it first starts off with a match against two different days. You had, in one corner, the champions, the New Day. And the other corner, Rusev Day. And I kind of figured most of the stuff that was going to happen uh, – you know, but what are you going to do? It's It can be very formulaic with the WWE. Uh, either way, basically it was Kofi Kingston, and I believe Big E against Aiden English, and Rusev. And long story short, pretty good match, very hard hitting at certain points. Um, and uh, inevitably, Kofi Kingston pinned Aiden English, after a trouble in paradise in which he tagged himself in and kind of screwed over Rusev, we would see a following up thing when Rusev got a chance to go for the U.S. title against Shinsuke Nakamura on SmackDown, which ended up being a pretty a, a good match after Aiden was bad mouthing uh, Lana and both Rusev to to an extent, more so Lana. Um, at the end of it, Aiden tried to help out Rusev, distracted him once again and caused him a second title. Uh, so basically we get with this match, and I, I think the dude is great. I think they should keep the titles. They bring a lot to it. It's fun to watch them work. But uh, once again, you have something, Chris, where people like something, and they're going to tear it up, and now we're going to have to really try to have believability, and I like Aiden English, of Aiden English going against Rusev, uh, probably for a series of matches, at the end of the match, he came in, I mean, after screwing over his friend, beat the crap out of him with a microphone uh, until it was broken, actually. And, uh, yeah, a little bit strange. Uh, I guess Rusev Day is over. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get over, you know, all three of them, actually, without, without combining them. But we'll have to see. I think Rusev really is a star. Uh, he, you know, I, making comparisons like I always do. His charisma and everything, he, he reminds me of, like, Nikita Koloff when he went babyface and joined Dusty uh, in the late 80s, and a little bit of the Ultimate Warrior even uh, with his intensity. So what do you think about this whole entire turn of events, and do you think that breaking up Rusev Day was a smart idea by the WWE? As I try to adjust my mic. Well, as far as them breaking Rusev Day goes, I... 
I think it could be good for Rusev, depending on where they're going to go with with his character. Um, if they're going to try to transition him back to a full heel, maybe that's okay. Uh, I, I wasn't. I mean, I like Rusev Day. I think it's fun. I know the fans are behind it, but it does kind of have a comedy tag team feel to it, similar to you know Fandango or or the B Team in a sense. Um, only because I think they should have just treated Aiden English as a manager in this situation and then gave Rusev a push in the, in, you know, in the way he probably deserved instead of just relegating Lana back with them and making a tag team. I think that kind of, to me, the wheels started to fall off once they decided to make that transition. Um, weird, this match was kind of at the beginning, it being a title match. It, it, I, I don't remember if it was like, it, it was on the kickoff show, right? So, um, I feel like they didn't have very yes, much time. Yes, it was. Match, yeah, I feel like they didn't have very much time, but the match itself was pretty good, especially because the majority of the end of it was storytelling um, for Rusev and Eden. But the in-ring action was fine. It, it felt like a TV match. I think it was under 10 minutes total, like running time start to end. Um, but, you know, overall for the time they were given and with, the, you know, with there being a lot of NPCs in the crowd and people not kind of there. I think they did, you know, the best they could do, given the situation. I enjoyed the match. Um, just nothing special. Nothing really to write home about. And, uh, you know, it, it's nice to see Big E and, and Xavier Woods swapping in and out. Kofi Kingston kind of seems like he's the mainstay as far as the tag team goes, and then Big E and Xavier Woods switching <laughs> it out over the past few weeks as far as tag team partners go. Um, I thought Kofi looked good in this match. I think I, he was probably the standout for me, but uh, overall, you know, it, it, it's fine. It, I guess this is where they want to go. And like I said, I don't know if it's good or bad for Rusev. Uh, maybe they think unsaddling the Rusev day could give them something to do with him in the future, maybe make an opponent for a Daniel Bryan or kind of a mid-card threat, which I, I think they're lacking right now uh, on SmackDown. You know, I, I guess you have Nakamura, but they don't really have anyone for him to face because they have Daniel Bryan tied up in a feud, and then you have, you know, the top of the card is Joe and AJ Styles, and kind of just everybody else. So maybe they're looking to do something like that with turning him back heel. Um, I guess I guess time will tell, but I, I like, like I said, I liked Rusev Day as a, like as a, a a manager singles competitor group, but the, the full tag team, and then just Lana being there for no reason. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of. I'm kind of just not a huge fan of Lana in general at this point. Um, her transitioning from wrestler to manager, and then now she's just kind of shoved into a group that she doesn't really fit in. I, I think there's some bad decision-making um, there, but, yeah, I, I guess that kind of wraps up what I had to say about it. But that, you know, that, that was kind of my overall feeling, I, I should say. My biggest thing with Lana is that she can't hold her accent. She goes back and forth almost every other promo, and it's extremely distracting for me um, just because she'll, like, literally do it from one to the end. Uh, and I feel like she only gets a push. I know she's aggressive. I've watched uh, Total Divas beforehand, even though I've admitted in the past that I haven't. Um, but, you know, I think that the popularity based on the show um, is the reason why she's probably getting somewhat of a push. Um, I think she was good as a manager for Rusev. I, I don't, I don't really care for her too much in the ring. Then again, I think she's come somewhat a long way, and I think that there's other women wrestlers. Now that that's a good thing, 
that have just as much skills, if not less, Carmella, um, you know, and go out and prove that. So it is what it is. I just feel like as a unit, they were better, um, even without Lana, like you were saying, not so much as a tag team. I think Rusev was on fire a couple months ago and definitely drizzled itself out. Um, I hope the best for Rusev, and I think that we're going to get a lot more. You know, he signed a contract. I'm sure he had certain demands. I don't think he was demanding a championship run. But I think they'll get him somewhere. We're just going to have to wait and see. But let's move on from this. Go New Day uh, to the first actual match on the card uh, for the pay-per-view. We had a Hell in a Cell match. We had Randy Orton defeating Jeff Hardy. Uh, I mean, at the end of it, Orton won by pinfall after Hardy tried to swing off the roof of the cell and fell face first through a table. Um, yeah, but uh, throughout the whole match, I mean, both men were just literally beating the crap out of each other. There was a great visual when Jeff first came out, and Randy's inside the cage already. He's sinister, and he's kind of smiling, Joker-esque, if you will, at him through the cage, and Jeff starts just beating the crap out of the cage in front of him. So it was it was it was meant to be ferocious. Um, I'm glad Jeff obviously did not jump off the hell in the cell uh, through the announce table. I mean, if he was younger and he always said that was a, like some strange goal of his, uh, that would be one thing. But obviously, we talked about his age. What he did was pretty fucking bananas, and it looked like it hurt like shit. Uh, especially since the thing mainly that went through the table were his shoulder blade and his face. Um, but, hey, uh, that, that's Jeff. Another thing, I know from friends telling me who have big gauges, and I think I've said this before, that you don't have a lot of feeling in them, and they can stretch pretty well. Jeff definitely had some pretty big gauges. So I think that's how they're able to pull that type of stuff off, but it looks revolting. And uh, definitely is kind of disturbing, and I think that's what uh, Orton's going for. So that screwdriver spot is very interesting. I You know, um, I think much more than you. I'm a, I've always been a big Randy Orton fan ever since he was in Evolution. He was a character I liked during that time period. Uh, I just He's always given me, especially when he turned heel, probably around the time I, I completely stopped watching wrestling. Uh, he just, there's a lot of uh, callbacks to Jake the Snake Roberts. I just, uh, he's very methodical. He's very sinister as a heel. Um, people like him, so that's why they both became baby faces. His finisher, just like Jake's, comes out of nowhere. In-ring psychology, pretty good at being a heel uh, in that aspect. Uh, you know, there's just I, I feel like Randy, he's, he's got this sinister vibe to him when he's a heel that is way better than when he's a baby face. And it just shows. I like this. He's, he's kind of going in this new direction of screw the legend killer. Now that he's about that age, he wants to be the only legend, you know, around. And I'm kind of curious, after, after tormenting some poor guy in the camera uh, place uh, and making him do different visuals of Jeff Hardy getting his ear thing, that whole, that whole thing they did on um, SmackDown, uh, the next legend, he said, that that's nothing compared to what I'm going to do to them. Who's it going to be? You're going to take a baby face, obviously, and there's not a lot to choose from. Um, I mean, they could try to all of a sudden make Shelton Benjamin come back and be a babyface. They've already had some good matches in the past. That's one way. But the last time, I mean, Shelton was a heel, or what they, he flops back and forth because the WWE uh, lacks creative sometimes in certain aspects. Definitely like SmackDown a lot, but that's there. Um, then there's Shinsuke's a heel. 
that doesn't make much sense. Um, but the, I mean, I don't want to see Ty Dillinger, and I also don't want to see um, even uh, our truth for that matter. Daniel Bryan seems like there's going to be things happening, so I doubt that they would put him against Orton. So I'm just wondering who that next baby face is uh, that's, that's somewhat of a legend that he could knock down a peg. And also, if Jeff Hardy's going to be back or if he's taking some time to get his body back together, finally. Chris, what did you think about this Hell in a Cell match? And uh, what do you think about Randy Orton going forward about the next legend he's, or the next guy that he's going to go against? I mean, if I had to pick one just right off the bat, um, if they put the belt on Samoa Joe, it could make sense where they do, similar to what they did with Hardy and uh, Nakamura, where Orton is just getting involved with the matches, and then you go Orton and AJ Styles, um, with AJ Styles obviously being not necessarily a WWE legend, but a legend in every sense of the word as far as his overall career goes. Uh, and, and being the face I like of that. Play, I feel like that would probably make the most sense because I feel like, you know, Daniel Bryan uh, and the Miz thing will probably wrap up and, and you'll probably get Daniel Bryan versus Nakamura would be my guess and, and Miz will be uh, relegated to being the Miz for a while, probably doing Miz TV and, and some matches spawning off that. That would be my guess. Um, unless they decide they're going to bring John Cena in for the next pay-per-view or something. But to me, the most sense probably makes means it would be AJ Styles. Um, it wouldn't make sense for, you know, the legend killer to really go after Daniel Bryan, considering, you know, he's a 13-time champion, Daniel Bryan's. As far as accolades go and overall career, Daniel Bryan's career is not, I wouldn't consider on the same level. Um, he, he definitely is pro- has was probably a way, I mean, I would say a bigger draw than Randy Orton uh, at, at his peak, his pinnacle, you know, when he won the title at WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan was fucking massive, so I guess it just depends on what you consider a legend and, and how they work. Just so they can transition him away from Joe and uh, maybe set up Joe versus Daniel Bryan or something out of that. As far as the match goes, I thought the match was really uh, probably, to me, it was the best match of the night, I would say. Um, just It was either between this or, or Joe and Styles, and I hated the finish in that match, which we'll talk about later, but uh, yeah, that you know, I they already did the gauge thing, so I was kind of expecting it. I'm just not. It's it's gross, and it does definitely show like a you know gives Horton more of a sinister feel. And it's cool that you know Party is okay with them doing that spot. Uh, it's weird. Oh, it's actually, kind of weird. Real quick, uh, Edge said that he wouldn't doubt, and both of them actually said this that if that was just the idea to do in the first place. That's not a confirmation, yeah, it, but I could see that too. Yeah, I would definitely. I mean, that definitely seems like something that Jeff Hardy would be like. This would be a really cool visual, and I, I could see that, um, especially with you know charismatic enigma that launches himself off thirty foot ladders or whatever the fuck. Uh, so it would it would make sense. Um, Orton is way better as a heel, um, and always has been. When they try to make him babyface, he has to do stuff on the mic, and I think that's always been his weak point. His in-ring ability has always been there. Uh, he's just not one of my favorite wrestlers. I think he works a very slow, methodical pace. Um, and then, toward you know, when he's in a match with someone like Jeff Hardy um, or someone who is a huge fan favorite of Babyface, I think that's when he's at his best. 
Uh, and a lot of other times, he kind of just dials it back, uh, especially if he doesn't like the storyline. Obviously, it seems like him and just Jeff work good together, but uh, this is probably the best Randy Orton match I've seen in a while. Um, so there's that. And, and like I said, I do think it was probably the best match of the night, not to take anything away from you know Joe or Sty- Joe and Styles. It's just I just didn't like to finish that match. So, um, yeah, kind of my overall thoughts of it. I watched this with another family member, uh, my brother, actually. We were watching this match uh, in, in uh, Boston. Um, and once again, and I mean, I kind of was convinced, too, because they threw up the X at one point, too, that Jeff actually got hurt. But uh, it come to find out he didn't uh, somehow, even though his head went right through a table. It's amazing what these guys can do to their bodies. But Bob and Jeff, like I said, you know, doesn't go right back into it. Apparently, he did a house show two days later. So there you go. But maybe take a little bit of time off, regroup. I love him taking the makeup back. Uh, it shows me potential for Finn Balor in the opposite end, um, just because I love that aspect from wrestling that's kind of missing. Everyone's still bitching about Ronda Rousey, too, and I think that you're right. Once you smarten me up, I think that all it is is somewhat of a tribute to Bull Nakano, so that's actually pretty cool. So either way, I was actually, I was really happy with this match. It was brutal. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I love your idea about Randy and AJ because I feel like we're going to have some shuffling, but we'll get to that uh, a little bit later down the card. Let's go to the next match, uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte Flair. Lynch countered a spear into a pin to win the match and become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. After the match, Charlotte Flair tried to get herself together and uh, tried to give, you know, Becky a handshake. Lynch put the title in her face and basically kind of, uh, well, I'll just say it, gave her a little bit of a Steve Austin vibe. Uh, We're not still confirmed at all if Becky is a heel, babyface, anti-hero, it's, you know, not resolved. Um, it seems like even though he kind of was very, uh, not aggressive, I understand, because it's his writing, and I don't think Road Dog really does as bad of a job as people give him shit for. It's kind of like how I feel, you know, with my job and a lot of people. It's like you'll get criticized thoroughly for one or two mistakes, but all the stuff that you do and, and provide that's good, no one really mentions it. They'll, they might say once in a while, hey, SmackDown's been good lately, but – that's how it is, and that's another aspect for him. But he's been very defensive on where she's going story-wise. Fans know where to go. I think you eventually want to get to a Charlotte Ronda Rousey match. Charlotte's going to have to be a heel in that. I, I, I don't know how you would do it either, you know, any other way. So there's a lot of stuff that could happen. As far as the match, I thought it was a good match. Both girls, I know for a fact, are great in-ring wrestlers. I know that they they obviously have chemistry together because they've worked together so many times. I don't think this was their best match uh, together at all. Um, I thought that they did a lot of great stuff, but some of the sequences, and I'm going to have to say it, I think she's incredible, and I'm not trying to criticize her too much. I think it was on Becky a little bit. I think some of the stuff kind of came clunky. Maybe it was nerves. Uh, that's completely understandable. Even the finish kind of had a little bit of weirdness in between. It wasn't as fluid as I think they would have wanted. Um, but I like the ending. I like the result. I still would like some confirmation because now Becky's not even addressing the fans, which I think is good. Uh, but, you know, she's 
they they need to they need to pull the trigger on Charlotte becoming a heel. I think that her as a heel is really effective, just like Orton actually. Uh, maybe he him more so because of obviously a longer career. But I feel like this could have been a better match, but it wasn't a bad match. I mean, I can't if if uh, people have these type of matches that are some of the ones that are complete shit on these pay per views, not including this one. It's still it would be still considered a good match. I just see more potential in them to have a better match because I know their chemistry and I know how badass of workers they are. But either way, we're going to get this rivalry for a little while longer. It seems like it's going to go all the way to evolution. Um, Chris, what do you think about this match? I thought the match itself was fine. To me, it just seems like the crowd, they're obviously not feeling the feud and, and not feeling Becky as a heel. And I think that took some of the air out of it a bit. Like, they didn't know whether to boo or cheer. So the the crowd felt kind of flat. And, you know, that varies from building to building or whatever. But it did come across like it was noticeable watching it. Uh, The other thing I would say on this is there was a really clunky part of this match where you had, like, a leapfrog into a figure eight and and then, like, a weird arm bar. Um, And it just looked very... It was... It looked very, very, like, robotic, kind of just going through the moments, uh, very clumsy. Um, and that's the spot that stands out in my mind as far as what you were saying. And, and outside of that, the rest of the match I thought was pretty good. Um, I did like the finish in this match, kind of, you know, Becky getting a one-up on her but not beating her in a way that doesn't set up another, you know, another match between them. I think that they're going Becky as a heel. Like, they, I don't... It was a terrible idea, but they're going to stick with it because they're WWE. Um, I don't, they're not going to try to make her, I don't, I just, there's no one for her to be a Stone Cold Steve Austin against. There is no authority. Paige is not going going to play a heel on TV um, in any sense of the word. They don't seem to be going that way with her character. So I just don't, there's no one for her to be a Stone Cold. You, You need a Vince McMahon to have a Stone Cold. You need someone not necessarily an authority figure, but you have to have someone for them to battle. And, you know, unless they, Stephanie is on Raw. Yeah. So it, there's, it's just going to be Becky Lynch being a heel. And then probably the belt goes back to Charlotte. And then I would assume from there, I think they're probably going to go Oscar versus Ronda Rousey before they go Charlotte versus Rousey. Um, So I could see, you know, do you think that do you do you think that um, that the money match that everyone's talking about? I mean, they've kind of done this form in the past where we say this is going to be a mania match and they do it uh, on something like a SummerSlam. Uh, you know, as what they did last year with Survivor Series, which seemed like it won, it was very popular about having Raw versus SmackDown. If Charlotte has a belt, Ronda keeps it, which we all expect. Do you think they're going to go and just say? All right, let's do that then, and then have good opponents for both of them, uh, regardless if they have the belts or not, uh, for WrestleMania. Maybe they're not thinking about Char- or Charlotte versus Ronda, even though I would say personally that would be the match that you headline WrestleMania with two women. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, maybe they don't need – I mean, I don't know that Charlotte necessarily needs the belts. Uh going into that match. I don't think it has to be champion versus champion, so you definitely can go that route. Um, I, 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 to me, Asuka versus Rousey would make the most sense, but as far as the match I would go to first, uh, I'm, 
I don't know because of the stupid brand split. It's and the fact that the the raw women's roster is so depleted. What are they gonna like? Here's my thing: is you go all the way to Mania, you leave the rosters like they are, which means the only way you'd really get that match is if they do another female Royal Rumble and basically do what Asuka did last year where she wins and then decided to challenge on SmackDown instead of Raw. I think that's probably how you get to that match without massively shaking up your roster or, you know, changing the belt. Yep. So um, it would just suck if they did that to you. Trade years her an Ember. Trade what Asuka for Ember. Just shake it up a little. I said trade trade Asuka for Ember. Just, uh, you know, I think Ember would get more use in SmackDown and Oscar could be a main competitor on Raw that could be formidable for Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense. I think Nia being back is probably where they're going next on Raw right now, but we'll, I guess yeah. we'll see. Yeah, time will only tell. All right, let's get to the next match. And honestly, this was one of my favorites, if not most favorite. Now, I feel I'm with you. If that SmackDown AJ match didn't have that little bit of the ending, it might be, but I really, really enjoyed this tag match. Um, Tag Team Championship match, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre uh, defeated Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. McIntyre connected with a Claymore kick to Rollins while Rollins was trying to execute a Falcon Arrow on Ziggler to win the match. I thought this was good tag team wrestling. Um, I, I like, I, I think this is a, it's a really, really good pairing between them. I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to... I always give Dolph, Dolph shit, but I do like Dolph as a wrestler. For the guy that's, I think, this generation's Kurt Henning, uh, Dolph Ziggler likes to tribute Shawn Michaels, and I think Seth Rollins, I've said it many times, is the closest guy in ring-wise that we've gotten to Shawn Michaels. So it makes sense. They work well together. And then you have the crazy Dean Ambrose, and they're trying to make him crazy, but he never had that persona, especially in NXT. But Drew McIntyre, I think De- Dean has gotten crisp. Uh, maybe while, you know, practicing, and he's huge, so it definitely the intimidation level is up on him. Um, I thought they worked really well in the ring. I mean, Seth and Dean have been tag team champions before. They definitely have chemistry. Dolphin Drew, I love. It makes the zigzag look uh, really, you know, devastating when you have the Claymore kick on the other side. You know, and I, I like Drew McIntyre. I think for his size – I think his facial expressions are great. I think he's very intimidating. And for his size, he can move. And uh, I think they had a pretty good, brutal match. It was, a, you know, your, your generic tag matches. I mean, I don't know how they get around this, and this is a complaint that I don't think a lot of people have. But I think there was two, Chris, maybe you'll be able to remember and correct me, two to three of your spots where, uh, you know, the baby's face is trying to make, you know, get to the other ring post and gets it and the other person comes in then they get beaten up um, I get it, the Rock and Roll Express made that popular obviously uh, but it comes off extremely formulaic uh, it, when you do it over and over again so that would be my only complaint but I think this is a hard hitting match and I like the ending because Rollins was, I don't know if he I can't remember exactly if he didn't know Drew was uh, not the legal man but it just came off great he was about to just devastate him with that falcon arrow and boom, kick one, two, three. I don't think it makes Seth look that bad because of the aspect that he was going after the other guy and got taken out of nowhere. And uh, I kind of expected them to, to, to give him the tag uh, belts for all the belts to be at Shield, but I guess that's not where they're going. I still have no idea who's going to win in that three-way with Braun, Roman, and uh, Brock, but we'll get to that later. 
But uh, going forward, uh, I I don't know if this is the end of that whole entire thing. I feel like Seth needs to get on the IC track so we can have some matches for that belt. Uh, but what did you think about this match, and what do you think going forward uh, between these two tag teams? Uh, it was a really good tag match. I would definitely expect them to do a follow-up to it. I will give Ziggler and McIntyre credit at the beginning of this match. I, I thought they did a really good job of playing kind of old-school heels um, and getting the crowd behind, uh, you know, Seth, just getting the shit kicked out of him. I do think they kind of went to the well too many times uh, with Seth getting beat down. It kind of drugged the match a little bit. But outside of that, it was just a really good match start to finish. Um, I'm still not a huge Drew McIntyre fan. I thought he was good in this match, but he just does nothing for me. Never has. Um, That being said, I I, I would assume that you're going to get a rematch – and as far as, you know, Braun and in in that three way I I don't even know because it it's weird that Braun's even in the situation he is with Drew and Ziggler and it makes me think that he turns on them and then probably wins the title. I I, I don't know. It's just that situation has made this entire thing very weird where it's like hey, we just had to throw a team together to go against the Shield. To me, like I said, even before that happened, I thought it was like worst-case scenario of what they could do with Dean Ambrose, and it's totally what they did. So That, that part of it, Bron- I'm not a huge fan of. Bron's dogs of hell to go against the Hounds of Justice. Do you guys get it? Isn't that cool? <sighs> what the yeah, fuck? Dog- well, apparently the next match... At Super Showdown, Chris, will be um, Braun, Dolph, and Drew versus The Shield. So, And then the next one at Saudi Arabia, I think. I don't know. There's 50 fucking pay-per-views going on. Will be the Brock, Braun. No, no, no. I think I'm – yeah, yeah, Saudi Arabia will be Brock, uh, Braun, and Roman. So there is a good chance what you're saying with maybe they lose. It's not on Braun, and he's like, screw you guys. Because, I mean, he is someone that, as long as he doesn't insult the fans, they still like him, and they could just make him do what he was doing before, where he was, like, just down that line and just by himself because he doesn't need two other people. And I'm not – I hate fucking keeping on doing Stone Cold-esque, especially at the beginning of the Stone Cold transition. But he's also someone that doesn't give a shit if it's Baron Corbin, Stephanie. He's not scared of anyone, and no one can control him. So I'd like to see him go back to where he was when he beat the shit out of Roman Reigns, walking those lines by himself. Uh, But do you think that's a possible outcome, and how do you feel about the three-on-three match uh, with them? I mean, I I – It'll be a fun match to watch, but I just that that's the storyline in general. I just think it's dumb. I think it makes Drew Drew McIntyre being as big as he is, kind of needing Braun there to go against the Shield. I don't know the whole thing. Like you, you set Braun up as this mall uh, this monster who has demolished Roman Reigns, beaten Roman Reigns multiple times. He flips him over in a fucking ambulance. Like he doesn't need help. And Drew McIntyre is also supposed to be a big powerhouse. So putting those two together to me makes them both look weak in a way that I think is stupid, but they're going to have the match. It's going to be, you know, it'll be that. And I think they probably will go the route where they lose to the shield and then Braun destroys them. And then that sets up probably Braun getting the title because I I just don't see Reigns holding it too long. I don't know that they'll do a title swap in Saudi Arabia, but um, weirder things have happened. I think that, you know, that could go down the line a little bit, but I just, 
I don't understand. I, I don't understand the principle of putting. I mean, other than just having a shield match with another team of three, I, I, I still baffles me that they even went that route with Braun. No, I agree with you. And uh, I have two uh, quick follow-up questions. Um, what? Who looks worse between the scenario you were saying with Drew McIntyre needing Braun Strowman, or how? popular he was, Seth Rollins needing Roman Reigns. And also, on top of that, um, I forgot my next question. Holy shit. All right, actually, answer that real quick. I'll try to remember and recover. Yeah, no worries. Um, to me, Seth Rollins, and, and with the Shield at least, you have a relationship that's been built up where they always end up back together. So it doesn't really make Seth Rollins look weak. It just makes the story look kind of dumb because it's the shield and this is what they do. Uh, but for Braun, just even entertaining, you know, Ziggler and McIntyre, I think that, you know, really hurts him. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't think it helps McIntyre at all either because I think he should be being pushed in a similar way to Braun because at the end of the day, you need someone else to face off against Braun. It can't just be Roman Reigns and Braun forever until Brock comes back, you know. That can't be your end goal. I guess I could have waited for the second one, and I just remembered it. But, I mean, really, we have to look at this. Baron Corbin last year completely screwed up his cash-in. Ron Strowman technically this year, even though he gets another chance uh, at Saudi Arabia, screwed up the cash-in. Does the money in the bank have any value anymore, at least to the general public that watch? Well, Car- Carmella made good on her cash in, right? Yes, she did. She beat Charlotte Flair two times. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I would say yes, depending on who gets it. Like if Daniel Bryan ends up winning it, that'll be a huge deal, right? Um, or if you have a situation where Seth Rollins ends up getting it again for the second, I could see him definitely being someone that could get a win and maybe even flip back heel. So I think it would just depending on who gets it. Now, if you end up with someone like a Baron Corbin getting again, yeah, I think the fans will just be like, oh, well, who cares? Um, And and the same thing, like if Drew McIntyre gets it, it's not that the fans won't care. It's just I think the majority of them are going to think they're not going to put the title on him, so this is just going to be a wasted. I think that's more of the problem is that they haven't done a good job of building – especially on Raw, the middle of their roster at all. It's like, here's the top guys, and then here's the rest of the show. Um, SmackDown does a little bit of a better job with it, but it's, I mean, it's a show that's basically focused around eight people 90% of the time. I agree. All right, let's move on to our next match. We're probably going to touch more upon the stuff we were just talking about with the the main events. But uh, as of right now, the WWE Championship match, AJ Styles, who's never defended this at the bottom of the card. Huh, weird. I mean, the one with all the lineage, but the universal title. Anyways, maybe I'm just bitter. Uh, he defeated Samoa Joe, kind of. Uh, Styles countered the, co- uh, the Coquina Clutch into a pin to win the match, but the repaint revealed that he tapped out before the three counties uh, was finished. Page arranged a rematch at Super Showdown in Australia in three weeks because of this. Uh, I thought the match was awesome. 
these guys have worked together many a times. They have great chemistry, um, you know, and it was shown. Uh, do I think the ending was kind of bullshit? Yeah, I do. Um, but I have to say that it could have been some DQ stupid-ass finish or double count-out. It was a little bit different. I haven't seen him do something like this in a while. But the match was much better than the end. And uh, Samoa Joe should be champion by now. And they have the rematch. I have a, I, I kind of would like to see Samoa Joe win. But part of me realizes AJ is on the cover of their new video game. And they think in a very corporate aspect in certain regards. He also has had a title and he's getting to the point where he could possibly beat CM Punk, and that's also a sexy concept to WWE. So I don't know. I love Samoa Joe to win it. He has plenty of baby faces to go against. Um, he's domineering as hell. I just, I really like Samoa Joe. I mean, his mic skills, his in-ring skills, the technicality aspects. He's got that presence like in Austin to an extent where it's like no one wants to fuck with him. And uh, I just think that he's a cool dude just from uh, listening to interviews with him. I love AJ. Uh, but AJ's done a lot. I still think it's bullshit that he hasn't headlined a pay-per-view as champion. What are you going to do, brother? Um, but either way, good match, ending, meh. Chris, I'm pretty sure you have a similar um, viewpoint on this. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, this would have probably been the best match of the night for me if it wasn't the ending, like I said earlier. Um, I just hate that finish. I, I hate it because it's going to just lead to 30 minutes of people fucking talking on the next show and then just scheduling a no DQ match. So, like, as soon as that finish happens, you know exactly what the storyline is going into the next pay-per-view. Like, immediately, every time they ever do this finish, that's exactly what happens. So, it just is, like, an immediate turnoff for me when they have that fucking finish. I would have rather just had Styles win cleanly or, you know, pin him while getting choked out and not tap. Like, just actually get choked out would have been, to me, a better finish than him tapping. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't know. The finish itself does nothing for me. I think you could have went a route of, it, you know, they could have done so many different things for that finish, and it would have been okay for them just to have Styles win. Because Samoa Joe is such a good heel, he can, I mean, he's just going to continue to go after Styles and his family, right? So, I don't think it would have mattered. You still could have set up the match. Uh, however they wanted to do that, it's just, I, I just don't like the finish. I, I hate that finish. I always have it. I think I always will, where it's a submission pin type deal. It's just, I don't know, it just muddies the waters, and then it always equates to, hey, I guess we're going to have to have a rematch or a no-DQ match kind of thing, which them going to a no-DQ disqualification match, which I guess we'll talk to if we get to SmackDown, doesn't even make any fucking sense because there wasn't a DQ finish in this match. There wasn't the first one, but not in this match. So no-DQ still wouldn't have helped Samoa Joe in this situation because he still would have gotten pinned. So <laughs> just from that, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Point. That's a good point. How do you feel? We don't have to go so much into SmackDown. You know, we can get a lot of it out of the way now, but... How do you feel about the no DQ match? Do you think that's going to be them completely bringing their chemistry and just? I think it's probably potentially going to be their best match that they've had in WWE. Yeah, I think it'll be really good. And and you know from the storyline, I, I don't you know Samoa Joe's not going to lay off going after you know AJ Styles' family, and I think that's working really well for their feud. 
So if they're going to have some, uh, you know, if they're going to have AJ Styles retain, you could have, you're going to, you, you set yourself up for having that moment of kind of like when Gargano just beat the hell out of Ciampa in that first match. So you can kind of set up that moment where you see a different side of AJ Styles because everyone knows that, you know, Joe is going to kill you, right? So you're going to get to see a bit of that, but then it's going to be really fun to see Samoa Joe snap like he did at the end of their first match and really go after Joe for everything he said about his family. So I, I think the match itself will probably be the best of those three matches. Um, curious on what they do with the ending. Uh, you brought up a good point about the video game. I didn't even think about that, but uh, to me, the belt needs to go on Joe because you need to start transitioning other people into the top of that card. But you know, I, you know, who's to say? It could just be, you know, Joe loses, this is it, and then you go Orton versus AJ Styles, and that's your next feud. All right, well, let's go to our next match, and we'll kind of talk more about what's going on feud-wise leading up to the title after this. The Miz and Maurice defeated Dan O'Brien and Brie Bella. Maurice pinned uh, Bella with a roll-up. Another situation where Dan O'Brien doesn't really look that weak in this because he's completely gotten fucked over both times. Uh, first, obviously, by the brass nuts, uh, where he was beating the crap out of Miz. Um, the, the the tension between them is kind of not working as much until you get to these matches that kind of keep it going uh, because of the outcomes of it. This one, obviously, he wasn't even tagged in. Where he got distracted, roll-up happened. Um I, I actually don't think the match was bad at all. I thought it was a fun match um, from uh, start to finish. You know, it, it's exactly what I expected it to be, uh, except for the Miz had to be the one tagged in constantly to go against the guy that wants to punch him in the face repeatedly, but whatever. It doesn't, doesn't bother me too much. This sets up a lot of questions, though. We're going to have a rematch between the two of them, um, that there is a good possibility that Daniel Bryan gets screwed again. Uh, the reason why I could see that happening is I, I don't. He would have to probably go against AJ in this this uh, outcome because it's, it's between these two guys. Goes against between Samoa Joe and AJ for the title at the following event. If Miz wins, Miz is not going to collect the uh, quote unquote um, X Pac heat, if you will. Uh, the, I, the you're annoying. He's going to get a lot of heat if he gets that title, especially if he screws over both Daniel Bryan and AJ on the way. Maurice apparently is going back to, you know, retirement, basically, uh, for the foreseeable future, so that's fine. Uh, they had an interview at the uh, beginning of SmackDown on Miz TV. Um, Daniel, the, the, the story of Daniel Bryan rising up as that baby face and this possibly leading to Miz making it somehow, which maybe they'll do it later. Maybe they'll execute this plan later if they're going to do it. Miz making it to WrestleMania and Dan O'Brien beating him at WrestleMania and winning the title. There is something about that that's an awesome story that can probably jumpstart Daniel Bryan a lot more. I don't know if they're going to do that. But we don't know. Samoa Joe winning would be an awesome concept, but then that means I think Daniel Bryan is going to win so you can have a face versus heel. They would have some incredible matches. We've already seen him in the ring for a short period of time. Uh, so that would be a lot of fun, too. And then with your plan or with your idea, Chris, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, we put the Miz in the background a little bit working on someone else to eventually maybe get into future down the road, screwing someone out, same aspect. I feel that's where they're going. 
I have no confirmation. It's all speculation. But what did you think about this match, and what do you think about where people are going to be going going forward with the pay-per-views and the WWE Championship? Yeah, I mean, this match was its exactly what I expected it to be, which was not very good, but just continue the storyline. And, um, of course, you know, Miz would get the win here to further that, kick that rock, kick the can down the road, so to speak. Um, it's really just depends on if they have the confidence to put the belt on Samoa Joe and, and whether they're going to do that. Uh, I, I do feel like Orton is going to be thrusted against up against AJ Styles. I feel like that probably makes the most sense unless Randy Orton's going to take a break for a while, which doesn't seem like that is the case. Uh, which if they do that and, you know, you do Miz versus, uh, you do Miz versus Daniel Bryan, uh, you'll say next pay-per-view, you have Bryan win. You can put Miz into the U.S. title picture, probably against Nakamura. You can do AJ versus... Orton either way, and then you can do Brian versus Samoa Joe, which I think probably sets sets up three good feuds with top name guys. And you know, SmackDown, like I said, it SmackDown tends to focus around eight eight to ten people, and I think that's why their show is so tight and their storytelling is a little better than you know Raw. Yeah, that seems to make the most sense too. There's a lot of places they can go. I'm just hoping they go the correct one. All right, let's go to the next one. The Raw Women's Championship match, Ronda Rousey defeating Alexa Bliss. Rousey retained a championship match by submission with the arm bar. Um, I do like the match. Uh, I, 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 before we went on, I was saying to Chris, you know, I think Ronda's getting more comfortable on the mic. Um, she should probably be a little more domineering based on her gimmick, I mean, which is kind of based on her anyways. Um but I think she's getting better on the mic. Her in-ring work, some of the ragdoll stuff scares me. Uh, but it seems like maybe they're – I can't see it, but maybe they're able to do that. It, it looks more painful than it really is, basically, when she grabs them by the arms and stuff like that. Uh, the wrestling was good. I think Ronda, personally, I know that there was some uh, help with her friends, uh, with Alicia – and also um, Mickey James outside of it, uh, that is the reason why her ribs were getting, you know, executed a lot. Um, but I think Ronda showed a good match. She sold a little bit too much. She's good at selling. She sold a little bit too much to an opponent like Alexa Bliss. Don't get me wrong. Alexa's great, but she's very much a Miz-type concept where she should be doing devious shit to be able to get forward. In the previous match before this, Ronda destroyed her very quickly. This time she had an entourage, so it makes a little bit of sense uh, in that aspect. I love the comeback where Alexa was just, you know, trying to be that. It, it was very um, Minoru Suzuki where someone's just slapping him, slapping him, and he gives him that look like you just fucked up. Ronda did the same exact thing. People are complaining about her makeup, and I said this earlier. As Chris noted to me, it's more of a tribute to Bull Nakano, uh, very much the same, similar pattern. I think she looks like a warrior. She looks like a badass. And I like that Alexa Bliss, when, when all was said and done after the judo throw, when she finally got her into that arm bar, she immediately tapped out. There was, like, no time. It's like she didn't even want to be hurt by it. Uh, so, all in all, pretty good. I'm wondering where they're going to be going. It looks like, I don't know. Unfortunately, I could see them going 
you know what? We should have a match and it being cordial between her and Nikki Bella. But if that's the case at Evolution, I can see that happening. Just like Dean Ambrose for Seth, with Seth Rollins, um, when they when when Seth's you know back was turned to Dean, and I thought that was probably giving us a sign that down the road that whole entire thing might happen with Dean screwing him. I thought Natty did certain aspects on um, on Raw with with Ronda being very much behind her. I was this close to thinking that she was about to turn on her. I think that's going to happen. Um, I think that two people that would be in the future of Ronda Rousey. Unless, like Chris suggested, they take over Asuka. Um, we'll be Natty, which would be good matches. She helped train her. They could definitely have some great chemistry, and she's a formidable opponent. Um, and then also, uh, after that, Shayna Baszler coming up, working for Stephanie. Sorry, money's more important than our friendship. That sort of thing could definitely work. Shayna's done everything she can do in NXT, and I think she's ready. So... I like all three of those opponents possibly in the future. I just hope that they don't. And Mickey James, for for instance, she's ragdoll her a lot, but Mickey maybe wants to come back. You know, a lot of stuff is going to happen at Evolution, including, you know, a match with Trish Stratus and possibly getting interrupted by Mickey. There's a lot of stuff that they're going to be doing. So we don't know exactly, but I, I feel like the future is bright for Ronda Rousey, and I'm glad that she retained the championship, obviously. Chris, the crowd really seems to love Ronda Rousey. Uh, how do you feel about this match and her going forward? And with Alexa out for a little while due to injury, um, what do you think is going to happen with her when she comes back? Well, um, right off the bat, I would say I like I liked the match. Okay, um, there were I, I kind of agree with you about some of the selling, but it, it you know they were preaching up or, or talking up the fact that, that Rousey had a rib injury going into this match from the Raw before. So they were trying to pivot on that. Uh, there was one selling moment that she had where she started hitting her own ribs, like kind of like to pump herself up, even though she was injured. And just, like if you've ever had like bruised ribs or something, it's definitely not something to do. So it, it was just a weird selling point. Outside of that, I mean, it, it was yeah. a good match. I think, I think Alexa Bliss did a really good job of, I don't want to say covering up Ronda Rousey's weaknesses. Let's just say inexperience. And I thought she did a good job of helping Rousey look good. Um, I think the outside, like, I'm just, you know, it's weird that you got, I, it makes sense with Natalia because eventually you know Natalia's going to turn heel because she's turned face and heel so many times that I would definitely think that's probably going to be a future Ronda Rousey opponent. Um, but like Mickey James and Alicia Fox being with Alexa Bliss, even though they've tried to build it up in storyline, it's coming. It came so quick. Like we're, you know, we're three weeks removed from their first match, and I don't know. To me, it's just a weird group. But it, it, it was to cover up Ronda's weaknesses, you know, and 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 also give make Alexa Bliss look like she had a believable chance. So from that standpoint, I guess it makes sense. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I would assume, like I said, Nia, I think Nia Jax will probably be an opponent. You'll probably get Natalia. The setup is probably going to be pivoted around Royal Rumble. I think Evolution will just be Ronda retaining. Um, as far as Mickey James goes, I think that she's... Is, is she not going against Lita? She is, but I, I'm I sure think... they have... I mean, I'm just saying, after the whole Evolution thing, uh, you know, and Mickey might screw over Trish, so I don't know if they would run with that. But 
they kind of alluded to that before when Mickey came out in Alexis' defense when they were in Canada and Trish was there. But um, I'm just saying in the future, another, another formidable opponent, non-pull-up for NXT or getting traded from SmackDown, Mickey's a good wrestler, and maybe she gets sick of Ronda's shit because she's ragdolled beforehand. I don't know. I mean, I think it would be great if Trish wins at Evolution and then does a one-off match with Ronda Rousey if they wanted to go that route. If they, I mean, you have a legitimate re- legend that could put over Rousey and probably have a really good match with her because Trish is very solid um, in the ring. She's obviously going to have a bit of ring rust, but if she gets a couple matches out beforehand, I don't, I don't think that would be a problem. I could see Mickey James screwing over Trish and maybe they go, you know, the route of that feud. But the problem is that they haven't done anything with Mickey James since she came up to raw and she's taken a ton of losses. And I just don't see that people see her, you know, as a big star, unfortunately. You're probably right. Either way, um, we'll have to wait for those, uh, outcomes of the 50 pay-per-views in the fucking future to find out where they're going. Let's just hope, like I said, they're going the right way. Uh, the last match, the Hell in a Cell for the Universal Championship match, clusterfuck, uh, Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman, ended in a no contest, and I heard the crowd was pissed. Now, I think they did certain things because they had a long match. Uh, a lot of the stuff on the outside was good. They were brutalizing each other, which we thought they would. Roman kicked out of a power slam. I believe Blunt kicked out of the spear. Uh, they, they were pretty much evened out. Uh, at one point, uh, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre tried to interfere, uh, tried to get through the cage. They couldn't, and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose ran down to even the odds. All four men fought on the top of the cell. You can notice how bad, and people have said this with wrestling, how bad it hurts your fingers to climb up the motherfucker uh, because Seth constantly was moving his fingers trying to get, like, I think, um, you know, uh, circulation was going back on them. And being on top, man, that red cell was very sinister. I actually liked it. And I know it's much more secure than it was, but scares the crap out of me. Uh, at one point, uh, Rollins and Ziggler were trying to scale back down. We had that part where they're, it was kind of awkward uh, where they stopped. I don't know what they were waiting for exactly, but they – finally fell through the table. It looked, like, it looked very forced. I don't know what happened to Drew McIntyre and Dean Ambrose. It was completely off of them. The whole entire time this is happening, it's after when Roman and, and Braun have basically given each other their finishers, and they're just, now they're done. Uh, I said this to Chris beforehand. You know, I hate to compare it, but if this, if this was in the ruthless aggression or attitude era, the guys in the, in the ring would still be battling and we'd be going back and forth between the three battling and have a resolution between what the hell is going on before the ultimate ending where Braun Strong, or when Brock Lesnar's music hit. Very cool. Brock is very sleek and ready to go against, well, at this point, I don't know if it's John Jones or uh, DC, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but Brock came to the ring. Kicked down the door. Very cool visual. Obviously, the thing wasn't as attached as I don't know. I mean, Brock is strong as shit. Uh, all the guys, uh, you know, that they were paired with, they're the Hounds of Justice, the Dogs of Hell. They're all pretty much non-commissioned, done. And he went in there. Uh, Mick came out to uh, confront uh, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, quote-unquote, maced him. 
we got to hear Mick go, yeah, you know, kind of sound like he used to when he was Mankind. It was pretty funny, little throwback. And then he went in, uh, took both guys, beat the crap out of them, at five them, and that was it. Brock was left there. Brock's back. Brock's going to be in a three-way against these two men. And I have no idea who's going over. I don't think Brock is, honestly. Unless they, and like I said, unless they want to give him the title to give the rub of him going in as universal champ against that. But the thing is, if he loses that match, you basically have DC say, you know, representing UFC saying UFC is better than wrestling. I mean, that's how it's going to look. I'm just saying. A sacred bet is keep it on either Roman or have it go to Braun. You know, I've already talked about the tarnishment of the money in the bank. Put on Braun after he destroys, like we suggested, the other two with Drew McIntyre Dolph after they lose over in Australia. Braun wins the championship match. Is this destructive force, very similar to Brock Lesnar, to kind of take that spot. And Roman had a decent title run. He's had he's had one already. And you can do some more stuff with him. I would break up the shield at that point. I have no idea. I feel like Roman's probably going to inevitably win. Um, or Brock would win before Braun, and Braun's like the last choice. I, I hope I'm wrong with that. Chris, what did you think about this clusterfuck of Hell in the Cell? And uh, what do you think uh, going on with the uh, universe title going forward? Well, I mean, obviously the problem that I have with Ziggler and McIntyre just being with Braun in general is going to... I don't want to tread the same water I've, I've, that we've been through earlier, but why are they coming out to help Braun? He, I mean, they're both knocked down, and then they show up out of nowhere to help Braun out, which just, once again, to me, makes Braun look weak, like he can't beat Roman Reigns, even though he's done it several times before. Um... So that part, I hated. I didn't like the stereo table spot. It, like you said, I think it looked very forced. We talk about that. I also didn't like, uh, if I'm nitpicking, I didn't like, like you said, they showed all this outside action, and Braun and Roman Reigns were just dead for like five minutes. Like, it was a Royal Rumble. Who's the king of doing like three moves in a Royal Rumble and then laying for like the next 40 minutes or whatever? Uh, that's kind of what it was like. Um and I get it. They're still they're building Ziggler and McIntyre and Dean and Seth as a feud, and they're going to do this three-way match, so they have to get all this shit in. I think, you know, to me, the thing that kind of saved the match from being absolutely terrible, or what I would consider absolutely terrible, was Brock's surprise appearance coming out and just kind of destroying the both. And the, re- the reason I say that is what I think they would have done Otherwise, it's some kind of weird, wonky finish where we get a no contest or something or the cell gets destroyed, and I think that was their other out. So having, you know, Brock show up, uh, destroy them, and that kind of be the finish makes sense. What I will say about that is Hell in a Cell's no disqualification. So I don't understand how the match is just over. So, like, technically this match is still going. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. It's supposed to be no DQ, but apparently the rest can call it still. So makes absolutely no sense. But either way, that is our review of Hell in the Cell. And I think that we talked about a lot of positives and a lot of uh, even negatives as well. But that's how we feel. Not down with that. We got two words for you. All right, 
right, let's move on to the news. Got a couple items to go over. Uh, I might have to skip over depending on the time. I think we covered most of the stuff on Raw and SmackDown that makes sense from what the pay-per-view showed. So let's go over these news items. Uh, biggest one, I would say, I, I don't know. I mean, there's one other one that's pretty uh, impressive. But Dave Metzler confirmed that the plan is to have Shawn Michaels and Triple H against Kane and The Undertaker at Saudi Arabia after the events of the Super Showdown in Australia. Uh, Undertaker came out Monday Night Raw, uh, announced that Shawn that he knows that Sean will be in Triple H's corner and not just in the audience. So to counter that, we have Kane coming out for it. Um, everyone is, it's, it's a definitely a decent question. Everyone is wondering how Kane, who's going to be at the end of this year, you know, become the, uh, the mayor of Knoxville, how he's able to do this. Well, very, very smart by the WWE. Uh, they donated $100,000 to a Knoxville charity, uh, so that came, you know, since it's still in the uh, it's still in the weird area of him becoming the mayor, to come out and do these two dates. So it's confirmed he's going to be on it. Uh, here's the thing about Dave Metzer, and I, I uh, sometimes think it's a cop out, but he's still one of my favorite people, and I I, I believe a, a majority of stuff that he says that if it didn't happen, that you know it that was definitely one of the plans, but. He also noted that's not 100% confirmed Sean's coming back, uh, that at this point, the only way he would think that this doesn't happen is that WWE changes their mind tomorrow. You know, Vince wakes up and decides the sky's pink, does that whole entire fucking thing. But we have no confirmation. Pretty much what we're hearing is that he is getting seven figures for this. So this is a big deal. Um, now, that is cool. He even said and confirmed that if you were to come back, it would most likely be a tag match. I can't wait to see old man Sean fighting along Triple H. I feel like Triple H will actually, in a very strange way, uh, well, actually, maybe Sean will. It's, it's going to be two teams. Undertaker is a babyface. Kane's been a heel. Triple H is usually viewed as a heel. Sean's usually a babyface. We're going back to 2012 with DX versus the Brothers of Destruction. That's cool with me. Uh, and Sean can get in there and get his stuff done and get out and doesn't have to worry about trying to perform too much. But the big question is, with this, that everyone's asking, including Dave Metzler, Brian Alvarez, a lot of the guys in the industry, um, if, if the itch from NXT and kind of wanting to perform with Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, if helping them train and, and having that aspect turn into maybe I'll do one more match tag, you know, he's getting the itch. If he does extremely well and he sees that he can perform at a pretty damn good level, do we see him going against other opponents? Will it be past guys that he's worked with, like Undertaker, Triple H, Chris Jericho, people to that extent? Or will we finally maybe see at least one of these three matches? I think the top three on most people's list is going to be um, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan at second, and number one, AJ Styles. Maybe two and one flip around. Uh, I don't know. There's nothing like that, but it's fun to speculate. But Dave Metzer, Chris, seems pretty like it's, it's almost definite. So let's play around with it. Let's not say it's confirmed 100%, even though that's what he pretty much said on, on, on the Wrestling Observer. It's confirmed on Dave Metzler's standards, and that's all that matters. Um, let's play around with this. So this is going to be the tag match. 
How do you feel about Sean coming down to the ring? And do you see it that if the match, if he's a little bit clunky basically in the match, that that will probably be the last time we see Sean in the ring? No harm, no foul. It was a tag match, Saudi Arabia, uh, especially with the amount of money he's getting. Or do you think that if he does well, there is a good chance we might see maybe one or two more matches with him in it, possibly one at Mania to end it all? I, I think it's plausible. Uh, I don't think it's likely for me. I just if, if they if they use him, they're going to put him on Raw. I would think right off the bat, and then how do you get to an AJ Styles versus Shawn Michaels match or one of the matches the fans want to see? What I, what I think would inevitably happen if they went that route was either you get Triple H versus Shawn or you get Undertaker versus Shawn or you get some sort of tag match involving Triple H and Shawn. Um, which would, I would assume would be a rematch of whatever they're going to do with Saudi Arabia. Now, have they said it's actually going to be a tag match, or is he going to be in Triple H's corner? Because when we talked about this, when this first rumor came up, my original thought, when they, especially after they said they were bringing back Mick Foley for those interviews, my thought was it was going to be a situation where it was Triple H versus Taker and Michaels is in the corner and had either Kane or Mankind in the corner of Undertaker, which... Even if it's a tag match, it's kind of just that. At the Super Showdown, and this is what a lot of people are speculating, will lead up to Saudi Arabia. You're going to have Sean in the corner of Triple H, and you're going to have Kane now, from what you know, uh, Undertaker announced, in the corner of um, Undertaker. Well, the fact that, I mean, the, the biggest thing, one of the biggest red flags is that they're giving $100,000 to Kane's charity campaign for Knoxville, for another appearance to be at the following Saudi Arabia show, I forgot what the hell they're calling it. Uh, it. They're doing some type of King of the Ring, Super King of the Ring, kind of like they did with the Royal Rumble. But the Prince is very much a 90s wrestling fan. You know, he's the same one who wanted Yokozuna to be on the card. And they had to go, you know, grab a random sumo wrestler to fill that fantasy. So he requested Sean, is what Dave's saying. Um, and they're offering Sean. Like, he's speculating $2 million just to do this event for a wrestling event, uh, along with coming out and supporting Triple H for the uh, Australia show. So the a wonderful, glorified house show that will be at Saudi Arabia and will be now on the network, it's been confirmed, uh, will be Sean's in-ring return with Triple H against the Brothers of Destruction. And that's where we're wondering if he gets an itch from this, if he'll continue forward. I think you're right that it'd probably be against Triple H or Undertaker. But who knows? I I know that nostalgia is a hell of a drug, but does anyone really want to see this match? The Prince does, apparently. I would really like... rather several other matches. I mean, I would, I would, I would, I'm fine. I would be, I think I would be fine with Triple H and Sean. I like Triple H and Sean having a match, but, and, and Taker coming back last time and just having a squash match against Rusev, I, I thought that was a fun, you know, it being a casket match was kind of a fun thing, but this being a serious tag team match in Australia, right? Or in, yeah, well, no, this would be in Saudi yeah, Arabia, one... I guess. Tag, tag match would be in Saudi yeah, I just the uh, one-on-one with Triple H and Undertaker is in Australia. 
I, for some reason, it's just I don't I don't know what it is to me. And I know if Meltzer's saying this is what they want to do, then they're probably going to try their best to make it happen. It's just I don't think that Sean would want to go out on a losing note in a one-off in Saudi Arabia. It that just doesn't sound. Is that like what Kane is there for? To take yeah, the loss, I guess. Basically. Yeah, I guess Kane would be there to take a loss and then probably set up a rematch. So I. Maybe this is just something that and just sparks. And comes a, out and goes out. Like Sean, Sean is the one who pins Kane, and then you know he helped Triple H beat the Undertaker. And Undertaker's like, Sean, you haven't pinned me. We need to have another match at WrestleMania. Something like that. I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I, I could see them doing that. It's just I don't. Those first two matches are so damn good. Like they're two of the best matches. Well, I would say. Yeah, two of the best matches, probably, you know, right behind Macho Man and Steamboat as greatest WrestleMania matches. And, yep. like, I know nostalgia is great and all, but I don't – to me, it's, it's, it's diminishing returns. I, I'm sure Sean will be great if they decide to have this match. It's just – you know, those matches happened almost 10 years ago, man. Maybe even a little longer. And time is something that's, you know, no one can escape. It catches up to all of us. So it's just, I, I don't want to see it. I would rather just not see it. And if I was going to see something with one of these legends, I would hope it would be something, you know, where you have like Aleister Black versus Taker and you're putting over new talent. You're not constantly trying to fall back Absolutely. on nostalgia and what people, you know, remember from the 90s because it's only going to carry you so far and these guys aren't going to be able to ha- have the same quality of matches that they were having. Now, I could be completely wrong. Maybe Shawn Michaels comes out and he carries the hell out of Undertaker through a match. Maybe that's possible, but that's a huge fucking maybe. And I think if you have the chance to do something really cool like Shawn versus, you know, AJ Styles or, you know, Taker versus, you know, a uh, Aleister Black or just someone someone that he can put over in a way that's meaningful for the future of WWE should be where they go with this. Because they've signed pretty much, I would say everyone that they can sign that's a huge star in the indie scene, they have signed. Now it's time to make them into stars. And by just constantly relying on the top of these, uh, on nostalgia and these old older wrestlers, it's going to bite them in the ass. <laughs> so... Like, to me, if you're going to bring them back, like, if you're going to bring them back, do it for a reason. I think the one-off match in Saudi Arabia is fine. They'll probably do something similar, like you said. Uh, Kane is probably there just to take a loss. And, you know, probably, you know, Shawn Michaels wins the match. That's a 90s thing. And then if that's it and they're done, I'm fine with that. I, I don't I don't need a Shawn versus Taker match. All right, so let's take Taker. Let, let, let's take Taker, Triple H, all that type of uh, vibe out of it. Uh, let's even take AJ Styles out of it, okay? Because I think that that's probably a lot of people's number one. Maybe I'm, you know, uh, overestimating. But let's go NXT, because he's named these guys before. And then three from the WF main, which are more likely. If we get Sean again after Saudi Arabia in an individual match, and it's not Undertaker, Triple H, AJ Styles, um, the three from NXT, who do you think has a better chance between Johnny Gargano, which he's said at length he'd love to work with in the ring, 
Adam Cole, another guy that he helped train, or a Velveteen Dream. And then with WWE, between Seth Rollins, I'm going to be serious about the last one. I, I Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, so the teacher versus student, or a signed Kenny Omega that unfortunately has to tone down his stuff a little bit. If you went to WWE, that would happen. But what do you think would be the best money match in either category between NXT and then the main brand? And if you have someone else, let me know. I, I think the best storyline match would probably be Adam Cole and Shawn Michaels. I feel like they could build a good feud. I think probably the best quality match out of the guys that you named would, would probably be Seth Rollins and Shawn Michaels. If we're taking AJ Styles off the table, I think Seth has a similar working style to Shawn in a lot of ways. And I think that for sure he would be able to sell enough and cover up some of Sean's age in a way that a lot of other wrestlers couldn't, and they could have probably a really, really good match. Um, so I would probably go Seth as far as WWE goes, and then I would go, you know, NXT, I'd probably go Adam Cole. I think the same thing with Adam Cole. I think that, you know, he would be able to have a really good, really good match with Sean. Um, and also the Undisputed Era being there kind of, you could do some stuff off of that if you wanted to, so that Triple H had something to do if they wanted to go that route. Um, so, that, yeah, it's, that, that's probably the two that I would choose would be Adam Cole from NXT, and then as far as WWE goes or Raw goes, I would say Seth Rollins. But my, my obvious, my, my, the, cho- the one that I would want to see the most would be Kevin Owens, um, honestly. Oh, because yeah. he could do a good job of one, selling for Shawn Michaels, and, and two, if if he's books right, building up to it, and make him a destructive force, Shawn can sell most of the match and look like a, a million dollars against Kevin Owens, and then Kevin Owens can take the loss, and it's not going to hurt him because he loses every match anyways right now. So <laughs> I think that they would have a really awesome match because a, a lot of Shawn's best matches are against bigger brute-type guys. Um. Taker, for instance, who, I mean, who's fucking phenomenal, but you also have, you know, uh, Sean, Sean and uh, Austin, kind of more of a slower-paced wrestler. I, I think Sean kind of shines in those uh, type of matches. But, uh, I, I, like I said, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, any of those guys would be able to have a good match with Sean. Yep, I agree with you, and I, I think that you know, keep on fantasizing about this. Sean, Sean comes back a little bit. The NXT, it's like, I don't see it happening, but he really says that he really wants to look at guys in NXT. He's helping training them, so it makes sense. You know, Johnny Gargano makes sense to an extent, but why, why would Sean screw over one of his favorite protégés? That's, but I get that both of them stylistically, they would love to work together. I've heard them both say that. Um, you know, someone like a Tommaso Ciampa would be interesting if we we're talking still just NXT. I would say, and, and I love Adam Cole, and I agree with you in a lot of ways, but I would say Velveteen Dream. If you want a rocket strap Velveteen Dream, you have an NXT match against HBK, and then, you know, Velveteen Dream definitely has some type of influences from Sean. That could be presented. But if we're talking realistically, I say four matches leading up to WrestleMania. Uh, the One of them I don't need to happen, but if they were to do another Saudi Arabia-style match uh, in between, which I think they're supposed to be doing two a year, you know, uh, before WrestleMania, 
Um, I would say uh, Undertaker for that. You know, if they want to do that, it's not on Mania. It doesn't really taint anything. The Prince wants something like that. It would make sense to end it in some way on that. But the three guys I would like to see is Daniel Bryan, a student versus teacher style match. I would put, honestly, if Sean was on it, and he's not going to be on it much, I would have him be like John Cena, where he's a free agent to go between. Seth Rollins, uh, who calls him out, and then it would end with, you're, you're now taking Shawn Michaels as the Ric Flair, and you're putting AJ Styles as the Shawn Michaels, and AJ and him have one last match to retire uh, Shawn with at WrestleMania. That's what I would do. I have no idea if that's going to happen. I doubt any of it will happen, honestly. But yeah, like I said, it's always fun to speculate. It's good that we're getting Sean back for one match, if that's all we're getting. He has a great performance, and he's happy with it, and he hangs his hat. Hey, that's great. You know, it's, I, I love Shawn Michaels, and he doesn't have to prove himself anymore with me. I think it's actually commendable how long he's been out, and that him and Steve Austin are pretty much two of the only names have not led – I mean, Sean's been offered AJ Styles. He's been offered many guys in the past. Uh, Steve has been offered CM Punk, and they stay retired, and that's why I think a lot of us wrestling fans respect them. And I also respect the legends like Funk, like uh, Jerry Lawler, that's still going, and that's their decision. But I don't think that he needs to prove anything. Any last closing statements, uh, Chris, before we move on to the next news item? I mean, I guess – you know, if if this tag match really does go down in the way that you know people are reporting, I I think that you, I I just can't say that Mr. WrestleMania is going to go off on a random match in Saudi Arabia. So just speculation, clearly on my part. If, if that match goes down, you're you're probably going to see that's him a good point. Shape or form at WrestleMania because he's Mr. Fucking WrestleMania. If he's going to go out with one match, even if it's in a loss at WrestleMania. I would assume if he has this match at Saudi Arabia, that will be, it, even if he has no other matches, it, he will end up having a match on WrestleMania. Because I, I just don't see him coming back for a one-off in Saudi Arabia and then never doing anything else again after that. Um, I don't think that he's going to have a run. So I think it would be awesome. Like, I love what you're talking about. That would be really cool and fun to see, especially if he's still able to go in the ring at a, a competitive level. Um, but I, I, to me, it's going to be the Saudi Arabia match and then probably a WrestleMania match, and then Sean rides off into the sunset. I agree with you. And also, one more person to end it, you know, if AJ wasn't, it, that would be Y2J. I think that would be fitting, very similar to what I'm saying, uh, the Ric Flair, you know, retirement-style thing. Either him or AJ to stop it. I think those are the only two wrestlers I can think. Maybe Triple H as well, Taker. But Taker's already done it. And I kind of wanted to have a little bit of a, uh, not revenge, but be able to get one back at Taker. And that's why that one doesn't need to happen at WrestleMania for either one. Uh, I don't think it helps them. But either way, let's move on to the next news item. Kind of a sad one, in a way. Uh, Matt Hardy says that he, uh, he's taking a break, basically. He, he didn't say he's fully retired, but right now he wants to go, you know, raise his kids, be with his wife. Uh, unfortunately, that he had a lot of devastation that happened um, at his place uh, because of the hurricane. So he's been working on that to, you know, get his place together. He gave an update saying that everything's intact, that they're still working on, you know, getting rid of a lot of debris. But Matt Hardy, 
is another guy that has proved himself. Uh, I believe he's had the TNA title, the ES, or ECW World Heavyweight title, and I believe the NWA title in TNA as well. Um, but not, not to mention almost every tag title you could think of in every dimension and every form with his brother. He is a great wrestler. I wish they pulled the trigger, but part of it was because of lawsuit reasons on the broken stuff a hell of a lot sooner. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like WWE really got that whole entire thing. I know Jeff is, is, seems like he's on his last run. Um, but Matt, you know, go home, relax, be with your family. You've busted your ass. You've made a shit ton of money. We all appreciate you as fans. I love the Broken Matt Hardy gimmick. Um, so I guess that's, that's the main thing. And uh, if he never comes back, that's up to him. And, you know, he's got a lot of healing to do if that's going to be the case. So but the Wait and, and see his progress. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this? I, I'm fine with Matt Hardy retiring. He doesn't owe anyone anything. I think the guy has had incredible matches. He's been able to recreate himself with the Matt Hardy 2.0 gimmick, and then again with broken Matt Hardy, like you said, uh, tons of accolades. Uh, I would assume the Hardy boys would will be immediately inducted in the Hall of Fame once they're both done from WWE. Uh, it's just, it's a great story, and, uh, you know, he's got to go back home and train the, the future Hardy Boys with uh, King Maxwell and, <laughs> and and his other uh, son, I, whose name slips my mind right now, but uh, well wishes to Matt Hardy. I hope, you know, he stays involved in, in some form. I think with, even if, you know, if Jeff's getting ready to wrap up, it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Uh, maybe if even if it's just trading tag teams in NXT or something, I think there's a lot of cool things that he could do after his career that doesn't necessarily involve him jumping off ladders. Um, but yeah, it, great career. Matt Hardy and the Hardy Boys in general were one of my favorites as kids growing up. So it, it's it's always weird when you see these guys start winding down, but obviously very understandable. And, and uh, well wishes to Matt Hardy and enjoy hanging out with uh, you know, Rebby and the kids and rebuilding your party compound in Cameron, North Carolina. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. All right, some fun news. Uh, for WWE, uh, just because of everything coming in about it, there was a statement that Rey Mysterio, and this was right before uh, he was making statements that he was trying to get back to WWE to finish out his career, but also before, I think, even uh, he made the match with Jushin Thunder Liger that fell apart at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, due to injury, I believe, on Jushin's part. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but, uh, you know, Rey Mysterio said he'd like to come back to WWE, but he also made statement that he would like to create a luchador faction and then stated such names as Anthony Cianamas, Sinkara, uh, you know, Pentagon Jr., uh, Ray Phoenix, and Kalisto, um, which is very cool in, in, in concept, but I don't know if they would be, I'm assuming they would be a baby face because pretty much all of them, except for Cian Almas, are baby faces. Um, I don't know if they, if, if what we're hearing with, Ray had signed a two-year contract. He's going to be making his way to WWE soon. Obviously, he's going to skip NXT. But nothing again at NXT, but he's a legend that's won the title before in WWE. I've, he said that he'd like to go to SmackDown. He wants to have some matches with AJ Styles. That's big on his mind. I'm sure Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura, all those guys are people that he's thinking about. 
um, with this faction is really cool. Andretti's already on that product. So is Sin Cara. Kalisto is at least filming after SmackDown in the same arena with NXT, but he already has his thing going. So I think they would just keep that separate. I don't even know if they bring Sin Cara in the mix. If the Lucha Brothers come in, do they bring in the main? I think Pentagon has potential uh, to just go straight to main. But maybe not. Um, Phoenix, I think they would definitely make them go through NXT, which is not a big deal. But the, the possibilities are there. Um, it, it was confirmed by Pentagon, I think, last week that all their dates were done and that they appreciated uh, everyone's help and that there were big things on the horizon. Um, Dave Metzler has said that they are going to WWE. Uh, this is the same type of thing that happened to Matt Riddle, that happened to Keith Lee, that happened to Ricochet, so it looks like that's happening. Chris, do you, do you think that they're going to utilize Ray correctly uh, when he goes to WWE? Do you think he'll get SmackDown like he would like to? It seems like also with the Fox deal coming uh, next year at the beginning of it, that Ray would be a good person to have on that program so he can go against guys like AJ. Uh, do you think that the Lucha Brothers are coming uh, based on everything that's been said and, and uh, stuff that they said and the end of dates that they have? They gave up their MLW titles, um, which Pentagon doesn't have the Lucha Underground title anymore. Uh, Marty the Moth won it on television. Is that the direction they're going? And this, this fantasy Luchador faction that Ray really wants to incorporate, do you see that happening anytime soon? The the uh, sarcastic asshole in me wants to be like no because it's WWE and they hate factions besides the Shield, but then the realistic version of me realizes yes it's WWE and somebody's got to go against the Shield, so <laughs> they might as well just throw three random people together: Rey Mysterio, Rey Phoenix, and Pentagon <laughs> Junior versus the Shield. <laughs> Seems like something that might happen. Um, I, I his idea for a faction I thought was really cool. Uh, with Ray kind of spearheading it, having Andretti see Namos, and then uh, Andretti's manager, and uh, I think he had one or two other guys, like you said. I thought that was a really cool idea. It kind of rema- reminded me of, you know, like LAX um, in TNA, kind of that vibe to it, where you could do yeah. maybe like a darker, more mafia-type version of that, like a La Costa Nostra kind of thing, uh, which would have been... I thought was a really cool idea. And seeing a, a, like a heel Ray Mysterio Jr., which he hasn't done in a very long time, we're talking like WCW, I think would have been really, really cool um, to see that as kind of just being the mastermind protected by these guys and going after a title against someone like a, a Samoa Joe. Where he's, I mean, he would be at a disadvantage, right? But he's got this whole crew of dudes behind him. Um, so if they, even if they do a faction, it'll just be to feed them to the shield. So that's the. Well, that's well, let's the say, let's I, say so that doesn't happen. Let's say that so that doesn't happen. They're on SmackDown. If you're if they're on SmackDown, I assume that they they could do a you know just a little group, even if they're just like you know friends or however they want to build it. I, I would assume Rey Mysterio Jr. would still be a face of that situation. Um, probably there yeah. to go against Freddy Cianamos maybe for a U.S. title. Um, and then you would see probably Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., even though I think Pentagon is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now and, and 
would deserve more than this. I wouldn't be surprised if they just got thrown into a tag team, unfortunately. Um, I would like to see both of them go to... I would like to see both of them go to NXT and have matches with like Ricochet and, and work their way up to the main roster and then get split apart so that they're on separate brands. Like I think that's the best case scenario for Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. As far as what Ray Mysterio Jr. does, I mean like him versus Daniel Bryan would be really cool. I, I think he is a better fit on SmackDown, um, just because Raw is just so focused at the top of the card and it's built around these giant guys. And they're not going to book Ray Mysterio Jr. in any kind of way where he's going to beat Roman Reigns or beat Braun Strowman. I just don't see that happening unless they gave him a faction and seriously committed to it. So he would be, you know, relegated to whatever the IC title is, whatever's happening in that. Um, I guess he could have matches against like Finn Balor and, and a few other guys, but at SmackDown would be fun, like him versus AJ, him versus Samoa Joe, him versus uh, Daniel Bryan. Even him versus The Miz, I think, could be really fun. I, I would prefer to see him on SmackDown. But, uh, yeah, but I, I just hope they don't do – here's Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. and their attack team. Worst-case scenario for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, Pentagon's one of those great all, all you know, uh, in-ring wrestlers in, in the same, you know, uh, type of concept – as like a Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, someone that's good in-ring hand altogether, I, I would say, and pretty impressive based on his size. Ray Phoenix is is someone that you just don't understand how he can do the things with his body, much like a Rey Mysterio Jr., much like a Ricochet. So they should be pushed very hard. They both can speak English. I think Phoenix is actually better than his brother Pentagon, but Pentagon is not to say much. I mean, he has that crow thing, like when he became full baby face type of quality, the craziness, you know, just going Luciano, Mero, that's, that's his thing while just having a dominant fight. So we'll have to see NXT will definitely be, um, well, I mean, I'm sure they'll do great NXT. They probably, they could possibly both have the title if they were long enough. Uh, it's just scary to find out what they'll have on the card. And with, you know, Pentagon's emails, I'm glad he's excited about it. If that's inevitably what happens and he's referring to, you have to assume at this point. But I do get scared that my probably third favorite wrestler besides Okada and Omega that's not in WWE is making a transition to WWE. But uh, let's talk about my number one favorite because he's included with this news story. All right, so Cody Rose will be defending the NWA title at Ring of Honor against the House of Hardcore TV champion, Willie Mack. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll do that part first, do the second part next, uh, Chris. But um, I like this. Uh, I, I think this kind of shows that the possibility of, of the NWA title being a title that goes through all these big promotions and gets defended on it. Maybe just Ring of Honor. Who knows? Uh, this is the first step. But the fact that he's going against Willie Mack, I also like that added aspect. Um, you know, I felt like Willie Mack kind of has Similar traits to um, Junkyard Dog, the Buckhouse Brown, and also to Dusty Rhodes. Um, the certain aspects and certain charisma and, and you know, uh, taunts and stuff like that that he does. And he's going against Cody. It's funny because both these guys, well, at least Cody right now, are baby faces. But uh, how do you feel about this match? Um, how do you feel like, how do you feel about it being on Ring of Honor? And uh, is Cody, Cody's, probably going to win, I'm assuming. Will he be a heel in this? I, You know, honestly, I, I, 
it's one of those things with storylines in Ring of Honor. I have such a hard time keeping up with them. I, I go back and watch as many of the matches as I can, um, but just their weekly TV show, I'm, I'm way behind as far as what the storyline is. I would assume after his title win at, at All In, they would transition him to a face. Me too. Well, um, the second part, uh, I, and we keep on coming back to this, and I'm sure he's getting sick of getting asked about this, but uh, he also made recent statements about the possibility of him going to certain other brands and, and signing long-term deals, a.k.a. WWE. Uh, like before, he said that Bullet Club, including him, Adam Page, Marty Skrull, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, are only going to go to one particular place to get signed um, after their contracts run out as one unit with cell, uh, like par- partial creative control uh, where they go. And, they, and I think that he didn't make a – there's no fucking way with the Young Bucks, especially in Kenny Omega – that if that was the case, and also Cody to an extent, that they would go to NXT. I don't think any of those guys would have a problem going to NXT, and I think that they would make a loud pop and put a lot of, you know, there's no way Kenny Omega would. So given to what he keeps on saying as a unit, I, I just don't see them going to WWE because I don't think that WWE would, you know, go for those type of stipulations. Uh, I don't think, and I, you said the same thing, I, I just don't think that they th- see – as big of a star in Cody as I think he's proved he is. And uh, if it's this type of stuff where they have creative control, seems like a very similar type of flavor to, you know, the NWO over in WCW, even though I think they deserve it. Uh, certain guys, Adam Cole or Adam Page and uh, Marge Skrull seem very much more destined for NXT, even Cody to an extent to be rebuild himself like Drew McIntyre did and certain other, uh, you know, different people. And I feel like Bucks, and Kenny, especially, they would go to Maine right off the bat. So I don't see any of this happen. None of the guys want to really tone down themselves. You know, I, I feel like Ken, uh, Cody himself is really putting a lot of life now back into the NWA title, which I think is important to him. Um, and I feel like they're happy doing what they're doing. But damn it if WWE doesn't have a checkbook, Chris, because I could also see them offering the money to the point where it's like, I can't say no to this and doing a one to two year deal. Uh, so where do you think, what do you think about all this? Uh, you know, this is an update. Once again, that's his final stance. It doesn't seem like Cody or any of them who've said the same thing are changing it. So do they go to WWE and make a shit ton of money and possibly go to Maine? Or will the fact they're asking for creative control and to be one unit uh, hinder them on WWE's part? Or do you think that they're happy where they're at and they're just going to keep on doing this, do another all in and keep on showing their worth and to the point where they have to go to WWE because I'm sure they'll be like, oh, we, have, we have to get rid of them. They're too much on the market. I mean, this is coming up with them getting done with their contracts, remember, right before the big Madison Square Garden show. And I know that there's a guy named Vince Kenny McMahon that is petty as shit. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think this is what kept the uh, the original Kenny Omega deal from getting done when he re-signed in Japan. I mean, there was there was obviously circumstances. He wanted to win the New Japan title before, uh, you know, leaving, but he had openly said in the past that he's not going anywhere unless the Young Bucks come with him. Um, so it seems like they're just double-downing on this. I will say this deal never gets done with WWE. Uh, it, even if they signed all of these guys, 
Vince McMahon is never going to give anyone major creative control. Um, with good reason. Because you could end up in it with a situation like what happened in WCW where all of these guys got creative control and the show went to shit. Um, you had so many, and then been openly said by Kevin Sullivan and other people that put there, when you have this many people with creative control, no one wants to lose. Um, I think they would be a little better about that than, say, like a Kevin Nash, for instance, but, you know, you never know. Um, also, like, I just... I, Marty Scrolls just someone I don't see WWE ever getting behind. Same thing with Adam Page. Um, they've turned down the Young Bucks multiple times... But I, with with you know the new day being there, the young bucks I could definitely see as someone that you could have good matches against the Usos, and and I could see them succeeding as a tag team. Kenny obviously would be immediately thrusted, I I would think, to the top top of the uh, top of the card as as like an as what about Cody? Right, Cody. I just, I mean, I think I see a lot more in Cody than I think WWE does because they had no problem just letting him walk away um, and yep. saddling him with, you know, like the Stardust gimmick and not taking any of his ideas seriously. And I, you know, for me, if they want to continue, it's not like these guys are hurting for money. Um, I would say that I know that they're doubling down on the, you know, we're gonna, we're in this together, we're, we're in this forever. I think if anyone ends up going to WWE. It'll, it'll probably end up being someone like an Adam Page or a Marty Scroll that go first to NXT or something. <laughs> because, you know, they're they're clearly not as popular as Omega, the Bucks, and and, uh, and Cody at this point. They're kind of, you know, they're part of the Bullet Club, but they're, you know, on the low part of the Bullet Club. Say. They're kind of like the uh, Scott Norton of the NWO, <laughs> so to speak. But I agree with uh, you. And, and here's the thing also, and I'll, put, I'll give it right back to you. See, the, I, I think everyone thinks it's a really cool idea to have all these guys, one unit of the Bullet Club, come in. So, and then all, we can pin them against the other Bullet Club, the, the original members of Finn Balor, AJ, and, and, and whatnot. And th- but then you have the Undisputed Era, which is another unit. Oh, cool, we'll have a bunch of factions. But that also seems to me like NWO, NWO Wolfpack, NWO, LWO, what the fuck ever, and then it just becomes too many factions in a negative way with the same type of vibe between them. Or you put them all together. Well, then you have way too members, even if a lot of them were past Bullet Club. It, it would just be too much. Uh, you know. So I think it would be cool, but like I've said, like I said, Chris, I think Cody wouldn't be treated – I agree with you completely. I don't think he'd be treated to a level that – you know, the star that he is, Kenny would be pushed. Um, and with the Young Bucks, you know, they were, they, they, they've been turned down, but they've also been offered, at least that's what they say, that they've turned down beforehand. Um, and then the other guys would be NXT bound. I mean, they, that's not a bad thing. That would probably help them out in the long run, especially Marty Skrull. But him and Adam Page would definitely go to that. So creative control, Going to Maine automatically with all of them, uh, that's a huge faction to try to deal with. There would have to be some type of an invasion, NWO-style angle. Would that really work? I don't know any of those things. Like, I like it, but I would just maybe rather just keep them doing what they're doing. Um, I don't know. Uh, any closing words to this, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it, I 
don't want anyone to think that I do not like the Bullet Club because that, that would be contrary for sure. And it would be cool to see them in WWE, but I, I think you bring up some very valid points. You get into a situation where it's like, okay, now you got the Bullet Club versus Shield, or you got the Bullet Club versus uh, whatever the hell Braun's calling his group, or you got the Bullet Club versus the Undisputed Era. It just consistently becomes that. And while, you know, so you can say the same thing about. Yeah, and you can say the same thing about New Japan, but the thing is with New Japan, the factions, the way they handle their factions is completely different. It's more like their little crews of friends. And we know the way WWE would book it is, <laughs> this is our DX, this is our NWO, this is, you know, it's it's just like what you were saying. And, and the problem is WWE has a hard enough time booking... <laughs> Mid Carter's on Raw. <laughs> um, <laughs> them trying to take on a task of an invasion angle, I just don't see working out very well. Especially if the if the people they're giving uh, they're giving the people creative control, like that. It, to me, it sounds like a nightmare. I think it's cool that these guys are all in it together, and I think it's kind of cool that they're sticking it to WWE in a way where it's like if you want one of us, you got to take all of us. It's also one of those things where, you know, money talks, bullshit walks. How much money does it take to get one of these guys to play? And I exactly. think they're way more interested in they're way more interested in a Kenny Omega than they are a Cody Rhodes. And if that means they gotta get Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Vince McMahon pulls out the fucking checkbook, I'm not sure that they wouldn't just leave Cody high and dry. I would I'd hate to say that. I don't know their friendship relationship. I just know that like in the wrestling business, it's always been said, make as much money as you can, right? While you can. Um, and like I said, money talks, bullshit walks. And uh, it, but, you know, Kenny has come out and openly said, like, when they offered him that last contract, right before WrestleMania, where we, or was it, it was the Royal Rumble, right? I can't remember. It was either Royal Rumble yeah. or Mania, where he wrestled, like, Wrestle Kingdom, and then there was a little bit of a break, and his contract was up. And there was, like, a time period there where people thought that, like, he was jumping shit. Um, and he even said then, he's like, I'm not going anywhere without the Oakbooks. So maybe they are that close. And if they are, I would say continue doing what you're doing. You're going to have a yearly um, – you can easily do more all-ins, right? You're, they're highly successful Absolutely. in New Japan. These guys aren't getting, you know, pushed well in New Japan. You got Ring of Honor. They're doing. And that's another today. aspect. Kenny lives in Japan, and he doesn't really want to leave Japan anytime soon. That's a big factor in him doing this and making the jump to WWE. So when they say stuff like this, it just basically makes me think like the, uh, which I've kind of thought for a long time with Kenny Omega, especially now that he's gotten the title and New Japan came through on that promise and and they did get the belt on him, and it looks like they're going to give him a legitimate good run. I just you know. I don't know that they give a shit that much about going to WWE at this point. And, and like I said, especially when you're talking about someone like Cody Rhodes, who kind of did not leave the happiest of person when he left WWE. So I don't know that he's necessarily dying to get back there anyways. I don't blame him. Uh, that's the thing. It's like maybe that just the Bucks and Kenny actually leave and just break that whole entire thing. I have no idea. It's uh, it's a weird thing. But the weirdest thing to think about is that if all this were to happen, you know, WWE potentially in six months could have that whole Bullet Club faction and also the Lucha, the Lucha Brothers, and those are probably some of the biggest names right now on the independent market. 
where the hell do they put him is a big question. But I don't know. Uh, let's see how this plays out. Well, we have months now before we can find out exact information. When it comes to the, uh, you know, with, with Pentagon and Phoenix, it looks like we will be seeing them on NXT in the audience at some takeover. So we'll have to wait and see, like I always say. Let's get to the uh, next news item. We've got a couple more, and then we're done. Sasha Banks is injured and out of action, unfortunately. Uh, Alexa Bliss is also injured, um, and for a short period of time, uh, won't be a part of it. They both had to be taken out of the Mixed Match Challenge. Um, Alexa was in the corner uh, at, at Raw, uh, I believe, at Mickey James. So there's that. Sasha also wanted to, um, you know, give uh, some type of high spirits to the team she was on with the replacement. I don't remember exactly who's replacing her. Point being, uh, sucks with injuries. I'm just wondering if these are minor injuries and they're, you know, trying to make sure they stay healthy for evolution coming up. I really hope these ladies aren't going to be able to make that huge pay-per-view, obviously, uh, and I hope that I see them get back on track uh, if they are injured for a longer period. There's not a lot of information for the length of time they'll be out, like I said, this just could be a way to get them healed up for that pay-per-view. Chris, quickly, what do you think? I, I tend to agree with you. I, I, even if it's a small injury, it would make sense to give them a little bit of a break. Um, I don't know the extent of, of any of their injuries, so I don't want to speak you know, too out of school, so to speak. But it's, I think it's the, the right idea because – the worst thing that could happen to that pay-per-view, and it would be very unfortunate for them in general, is if they if they are missing Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks, um, especially because Alexa Bliss's match is is highlighted as one of the big matches. It's the return of you know Trish Stratus, so um, getting her healthy is important. Um, so even if she you know she's just a little dinged up, giving her time off makes sense. I don't know the extent of Sasha's injury. Um, say it. Did, do you know if she's going? To, if they said that she's going to be out any significant time? See, it's a small amount of information. She's just going to be out for some time with injury. Um, I'm not even 100 percent sure what body part it is. Uh, with I think Alexa, it's her shoulder. I don't quote me on that. Um, I even looked up the information, couldn't find exact stuff. So, just listening to what Brian and uh, Dave said, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, from everything that I can read right now about the injury, they haven't really said, you know, what is going on, just that she's taking a break to to kind of just heal up. So that's good. It it makes sense. Uh, I I think that there is actually an article out there that came out today about Paige defending Sasha Banks and and her taking a little bit of a break, I guess, to heal up. So uh, maybe check. She also also made statements, Chris. She also made statements about how she does not hold anything against Sasha Banks and that a portion wasn't her fault about the injury that took Paige out of it. I did read that. Definitely check it out, guys. All right, so we got um, a nice little funny one. Uh, Tomas Ciampa apparently, quote-unquote, turned down his character being involved in WWE 2K19. All right, the question is, is this kayfabe or true? But Tommaso, that's what he's saying. Um, he wasn't the last uh, – several uh, incarnations of the game. We haven't done the heel version. Um, I'm wondering if they accidentally forgot about him and we're going to get him in DLC, which we fucking better because he's the NXT champion. Um, or if he actually did that as a way to 
even be more heelish. I, I, I don't know why you would turn down a large chunk of money like you've had the last couple of years. So what do you think about all this? Great heel? I, I think he's being a heel and that he won't be there when the game is first released. Now, I, I think he'll either come in a DLC pack, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter with those games because people will just upload his character model and edit his moves, and you'll be able to get him anyways, right? So I think it's kind of a great move on his part. Um, so just, you know, cool all around. I think I think it's like one of those real fun things, kind of like, you know, NATO trying to pay for convenience store food with a, with a title belt. Like that kind of <laughs> true to life dickhead heel of shit. <laughs> yeah. Or like a, you know, Jericho using the that turtle as a prop in that last promo he did or whatever. Like it's just one of those fun things. Right? I I think it's awesome. I, I hope that he's not in the game just because just a cool, um, real real to life. You know, old school cafe. Yeah, and, and what's great is with, with Tommaso Ciampa is that if you do create him, it's not like you have to worry about his music not being in the game because he doesn't have any music. His music is blues. They just gave him something that I knew Taz wasn't too thrilled about because it kind of was a ripoff of his theme, but I'm not going to get into that. It had the same exact opening and everything. But last part of our news before we say goodbye to you wonderful people. Um, this is MMA-based, but I think it definitely – kind of goes back to what's going on with uh, Brock Lesnar and the fact that, you know, they found a minor, some type of minor supplement uh, after his last fight, yet he's getting a championship fight against DC. Huge name. Connor goes, does some crazy drunk shit, hurts a fighter, um, you know, is out for a very short time compared to other people, comes back. Uh, John Jones, he has had multiple, um, Things that have happened throughout his career, including that whole entire instance where he was found with cocaine in his system and also in his car after hitting a pregnant lady, I believe. Not too good. And then his last fight against DC in which he beat him, they found some supplement within the system. He's been 13 months. Uh, you, for example, because they were talking about this on the show, um, Filthy Tom Lawler was a pretty decent name, not a John Jones name. He was found with a small amount of the same substance uh, in his system, turn a ball or whatever, um, and they kicked him out. They kicked him out for almost two years, and when he was about to come back, they released him. He wasn't allowed to join any major wrestling federation. He wasn't allowed to go to Bellator, the UFC. He was screwed, basically. Uh, I understand they're two different names, but John Jones, Chris, do you think he deserves – just like just like the big names of, of Connor and even Brock Lesnar to an extent, which is much more minor, uh, you know, a, a pass compared to other guys that might even be more efficient in their division or have potential that was taken away from them. Well, I mean, I guess they technically are giving Brock a pass, but he he can't even have that match until after his suspension is served. So that match is like on the books for after that, like February. Uh, I, yeah, I mean they're going to give them a pass. The, the UFC's ratings are down. Ratings are down. Their their pay per view buys are down, and they need a big star. And Bones Jones is that. So is Brock Lesnar. And you know the CM Punk thing was a flop because CM Punk is not a great uh, UFC fighter. <laughs> like you know what I mean. So is he going to get a pass? Yes. At the, at the end of the day, it's the Vince McMahon syndrome. Like you got to you got to make pay per view sales. Hey guy, you know like. What do you do? The the uh, you can't you, with UFC. You can't just go out and 
I mean, you can try to go out and make a new star, but it's professional fighting. It's going to be not completely random, but as far as who's good at it and who the fans are attracted to, that's something you have no control over. So when you have a star like a Bones Jones or a Brock Lesnar, you got to do what you can while you can with them. So, yeah, I mean, definitely different uh, as far as how they're treated. But Brock is serving, technically serving his suspension. It's just weird they're, you know, they're already booking a fight when he's still suspended. I do think that's fucked. And But I think that we can both say uh, that no matter what, the fact that if you're someone like a filthy Tom Lawler or trying to think of another person that was taken out, you know, this has happened before in the past where you're sort of a big name, but you're not one of the big names. It's kind of fucked up no matter what. But that's, how, that's the nature of the beast. It's unfortunate. They need their huge draws. I'm just wondering, Chris, real quickly before we end the show, uh, does Brock now go against John Jones? Like, does John Jones get pushed that quickly because they want to be able to do this, and that's who Brock wanted to go against? Or does Brock go against DC, and then that happens maybe later down the line? Well, the way I see it is they'll probably – I mean, I, I still think they're going to do Brock versus DC because DC wants that fight because him and Brock are friends. Um, so I think Bones Jones probably gets a warm-up fight. And it'll still be – it'll still draw, but I, I think that you do that, and then whoever wins – Brock DC, then you would you would get that match, you know, Joe, whether it's Jones and Brock or, or Jones and DC. But like DC's fighting in the heavyweight, isn't isn't uh, Bones Jones middleweight? That's the same, That's another thing. It's like which way do you go with that? Because I believe he has the titles in both divisions, DC. Yeah, yeah. So that that's. I mean, I don't know. Does DC do two fights in eight months? I mean, that would be kind of crazy for him to do, but. GC wants to get back into with John Jones. He wants to prove him wrong because he thinks that he was screwed, which makes a lot of sense too. Maybe, maybe he does too. I mean, he could do two fights. He's not going to fight Brock until either February or April, just with the way the WWE schedules lined up and the fact that Brock's suspension isn't up until, like I said, I don't think it's up until February. So, I mean, you can fit a fight in between there. They would have to book it really quick, and that's a quick turnaround for a fighter. He just had, you know, he just had that match. Uh, where Brock came out and talked shit at, you know, afterwards. That was only like two or three months ago. So that's a quick recovery recovery time. And he's fight, he would be fighting in two different weight classes, so he'd have to drop weight and gain weight back. Well, um, I don't know. That's you crazy. Know, we'll have to, it is crazy to think about, and we'll have to wait and see what that was. But I want to thank you guys for listening to us. And uh, definitely listen to us on Wednesday at a normal time. You guys have a good one. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.